Scaling Up Nation, before we start today's episode, I want to let everybody know that the technical training for AWT in Cleveland has been canceled due to the governor of Ohio stating that there are to be no gatherings of 100 people or more in a single location. Nation, I know that these are interesting times and panic can set in, and I'm going to urge you to use a level head. I know I heard on the news this morning where people were fighting over a bottle of hand sanitizer. Come on, people. I don't know what's going on here. Remember that uh, when we support each other, we can always do more. We can always handle more. So remember that we are not just one person alone. We are a community of people. Folks, we're going to get through this. Uh, Remember, the best thing you can do is wash your hands. And of course, if you are sick, not to go out to infect other people. Just keep in mind that uh, community is, uh, is what it is all about. I hope you enjoy today's episode, and I hope to see you again at uh, the next event that we put on, and I actually talk about the next events coming on with the AWT in this episode. Have a great week, folks. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Radical Polymers. Nation, running a water treatment business is hard. Dealing with your suppliers shouldn't be. And when I deal with the fine folks over at Radical Polymers, I have always felt like I have had a partner. They test things in the environment that we are going to use their products. They also make sure that if I have any questions that I get the answer that I am looking for. Mike and the fine folks over at Radical Polymers answer the phones. Folks, when was the last time you actually talked with somebody when you had a technical support question? Well, they make your issues their issues and they get right down to the problem. They offer best in class technologies with the first class support that I just mentioned. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash radical to find out more. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hello, everybody. Trace Blackmore here, the host of Scaling Up H2O. And folks, what a great week. Of course, we were in Seattle just a couple of weeks ago, met a whole bunch of great people there, heard a bunch about the Scaling Up podcast, great ideas, and they have told me what they want to hear on the show. They've given me some criticisms about some things that I've said on the show. I love it when people do that. Please keep those coming. And people have even given me some guests for me to interview. Folks, this is your podcast. Let me know what you want to hear, and I will do my best to get that on. Of course, the best way to do that is to go to scalinguph2o.com, and you can record your own voice asking your very own question. I will play that on the air, and we will get your questions answered. Folks, I think one of the things that has delighted me most is how many people are coming 
to the Association of Water Technologies technical trainings because they heard about them here on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Folks, I'm going to try to bring you events before they happen so you can adequately plan for them. Now, the folks that came up to me and said, Trace, thank you so much for letting me know about this technical training. If it were not for this podcast, they would not be here. They told me that they heard about it, they talked to their boss, and they got permission to go. So I wanna make sure you know what's coming up. So as far as the Association of Water Technologies, we have our annual convention coming up this year in Louisville, Kentucky. That's gonna be September 30th through October 3rd. Now, immediately following that, is Industrial Water Week. Folks, that is a full week where we celebrate each other and all the areas of what we do in industrial water treatment. So each and every day, I'm gonna do something special during that week. We're still planning that, so I'm not exactly sure what we're gonna do, but you better believe we're going to celebrate that together. Now, next year, if you are planning to come to the technical training that I am at right now, you're gonna to have to go to San Diego, California. That's gonna be February 24th through the 27th. And then we're back in Annapolis, Maryland. That's gonna be March 17th through 20th. So if you wanna to plan to be at either or both of those events next year, go ahead and put those on your calendar right now so you can guard that time. Folks, this is one of the best water treatment trainings that you can find. I am so honored to be one of the trainers here. And the questions that I get each and every year are such good, well thought out questions. Folks, I am so proud to be in the industrial water treatment industry. And I am so proud when people like you out there are doing what they can to become more educated, to raise that bar so we can make the entire industry better. But here's the sad fact. We get so pumped up and energized at these special events, and then we come home and we're greeted with the same day-to-day -day whirlwind that we had when we left. Well, folks, one of the things that we have to do in our day-to-day -day is selling, and some people absolutely love it, other people not so much. But one thing I think we all have in common is there's not a set system in how we sell. You know, if we look at all the departments we have over a company, the sales department is normally the most disorganized department because of this. Everybody does something different. Nothing is standardized. And when successful people do things a certain way, others try to copy them, but they don't have a standard procedure in how to do that. And a lot of them fall short. Well, the sales department is something that I think could really use a good makeover. But here's the brutal fact. We all have to sell. And in order to sell, we have to get out there in front of customers. And when we are out there in front of customers, we have to make sure we're getting our message across and then that message connecting with those people and they see value and that's how we get new business. Well, that sounds real easy. We all know in practice, that's a lot harder than I just made it sound. Well, today we have a guest, his name is Brian Gray, and he is going to speak about all things we need to know when we are talking with our clients. Because let's face it, 
Clients are so much more educated these days, even about the mystic topic of water treatment. People know a lot more and they're expecting a lot more out of us. All somebody has to do is go on the internet and they can become an instant expert by just typing a few phrases into Google. And most people are armed with that information when we're talking with them. Put that together with social media and all the different tools that people have available to them, there's no doubt about it, customers are smarter about things and then they think they're smarter about others. Our job is to make sure there's an intersection with those two items, bringing us closer to what the truth is and getting to their specific issue and solving that problem for us. Well, Brian Gray is going to talk all about that and tell us what we should be doing within these client interactions. So folks, please help me welcome Brian Gray. My lab partner today is Brian Gray of RPG. Brian, you and I met at a Vistage meeting. You were the speaker. I was so impressed with what you were talking about when it came to sales and how we need to change our approach. I couldn't wait to get you on Scaling Up H2O. And here you are. How the heck are you? I'm great. Thank you, Trace. Uh, yeah, I was teaching you were learning. So that was, uh, I enjoyed meeting you and uh, I'm happy to be here today. Thank you. Absolutely. There was so much information that you shared with my Vistage group that I, I wanted to make sure that we could at least share a fraction of that because I don't think there's any way we could pack all of that into our short interview. But before we get into that, do you mind telling the Scaling Up Nation a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Brian Gray. And as, you, as Trace mentioned, I'm the CEO of an organization called the Revenue Path Group. And we are really, really focused on helping stop that race to the bottom because we believe that the biggest current threat each and every one of you face is that you become a commodity in your prospect's eyes. And what we have is this, this race towards it all being about price, and that's no way to really win. And this race is going to continue, and we'll talk a little bit about that today in our session, But and, and there are things you can do about it. So not only is this race to the bottom happening, decision-making teams are getting bigger and they're ignoring you or your salespeople until the very end of their buying journey. And it's creating a real trifecta of pain. So what our organization does is we help people make sense of all this. And that's what I hope to help accomplish today. A bit about me. I've been in the world of business development sales for many, many years, for over 30 years. And gosh, I think it's been that long. The, uh, I'm almost 53 years old, Trace. The, uh, so, the, but the, I've always been fascinated by the, the sales approach and the sales process and how getting the right people in the room at the right time and, and what it takes to really win. And what's happened over the last few years is we've seen that really accelerate with larger decision-making teams and the internet really wreaking havoc on, on business development. Um, I'm, I'm a practitioner at heart. I've previously led two uh, businesses to the Inc. Uh, 500 fastest growing company list. Uh, so we do practice what we preach, and we like sharing our wisdom, what we've learned with others. Well, awesome. In your presentation, you mentioned that the way we've always thought of sales, the way we've always done sales, doesn't necessarily work with technology and how decisions are made today. Do you mind telling the audience a little bit about that? Absolutely. And, and I will say this, the fundamentals of selling has not changed. For example, it's only when the pain of someone's status quo is greater than the pain of change. That's the only time they'll ever, ever buy. 
And that's something we can never, ever forget. It's been that way since the beginning of time. And the reason we've always lost sales as individuals, a key reason, is that we're not able to have them feel that pain of staying the same. And it's only when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change that they ever make a move. What's really changed, though, Trace, is the fact that the Internet is driving more internal information gathering. If you go back to the days before the Internet, as salespeople, we were information distributors. You know, we were out there sharing what we know because the prospect needed to know. Now they're gathering all their research online and up to 70% of their buying journey has changed. And they're doing it on their own before they invite you in. And what's making it worse is decisions are now made in larger groups of people. In the old days, you had one or two decision makers. Now you have five, six, and seven decision makers all uh, chiming in. And they all have to feel that same pain of staying the same greater than the pain of change. So it's, it's not that the fundamentals have changed. It's just this accelerating world and technology is making it much more difficult to stand apart and really, really differentiate yourself. So what the heck do you do with all of that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think you've got to do a couple things. Number one, we have to understand who you're selling to. And we'll talk a bit about the, the brain. That's really your true prospect. How the brain prioritizes and how it makes, uh, how it makes decisions. And once we understand that, then we can start messaging in a way that helps our prospect understand two things, Trace, two questions. Why should I choose you and why should I choose you now? Because we can fix certain things. We can't fix the fact that decision-making teams are getting bigger. We can't fix the fact that they're ignoring our salespeople until the very end, until they're ready to buy. And Trace, when they're ready to buy, they think you're a commodity. Because in their brain, they think everyone looks, sounds, and acts the same. And if that's the case, why would they ever pay more? I will tell you, that's an issue that we have each and every time we go out and we visit a prospective customer. Uh, We, of course, think that the way we do things are head and shoulders above everybody else. And we try to make sure the customer sees that, but they see that they're just getting water treatment and they check the box. And if they can get it for a lower price, they're going to check that box for a lower price. Yeah, absolutely. And and Trace, you and others, I mean, you eat, sleep and breathe your business. You know it inside and out and they know and your prospect knows so little about it and they're not going to give it much attention either. In fact, the brain is very lazy. The brain wants to make fast and easy decisions. And the easiest thing for the brain to do is nothing. So we have to contend with all these challenges uh, where the fact that we're selling to a three pound organ called the brain. And actually, when we break it down, the deciding part of the brain is called the limbic structure that doesn't even know how to read. It's a very primitive and predictable decision maker. And all it cares about is eliminating pains, threats, and fears. And the reason we get in trouble is we know all this information and it's super fun for us and it's and we're super geeked out and stoked about it, but the prospect really doesn't care that much about any of that. All it really wants to know is, Trace, why should I choose you? And more importantly, why should I choose you right now? And until we can really simplify our messaging in a way that speaks to the limbic part of the brain, it all becomes noise and clutter in our prospect's brain. Because it's not what you say to people, it's what they actually hear. It's what they're actually listening to of what you're saying. And I think you find when you you stack up competitors, a lot of them do sound, look, and act the same. So how can you message in a way that speaks real clearly to your prospect's pains, threats, and fears? which are really what drives priority in the limbic brain. Well, that's a great question. How do you do that? Well, 
That's a great question. Thank you. Yeah, we, <laughs> you have to understand what really motivates and drives them. So when you think about your particular product or solution, what does it really do for someone? And we got to really move away from being feature and, and benefit as you know, that, that's old school stuff. We have to really think about elevating in the, the threats that we really help eliminate. Because if you're exactly the same from a feature functionality as your competitor, the only one who's going to win is that person who can get to the primitive part of the brain and really understand how it drives priority. So if you think about what you do and you really dug deeper and say, what does this really help my prospect accomplish? And so what? And you keep asking yourself these questions over again. So what? So what? So what? You actually start getting to the real deep reasons why someone should choose you. The problem is we stay too too topical and too superficial and we never get that deep rooted pain, threat or fear. For example, in my world, right? While we help organizations create better messaging and better sales pitch decks and those type of things, that's not really what people buy. The reason they buy is because they are commoditized. They can't get the right meetings with people and they don't know why they lose opportunities that they know they should have gotten. So what we've had to do is take our messaging to that level of real threat or pain, not what we do. So we talk about the limbic brain and we have to know what pain that they're they're receiving so we can take that away. That sounds a little bit to me like when I went through Sandler's training and they were talking about scare them and save them. Is that what you're talking about? There is some degree of truth to that because um, we have to sell to pain. Because remember what I said earlier that it's only when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change does anyone ever make a decision or make a commitment to change, right? So they have to feel some degree of pain because when you think about it, that, that why do you sell to pain and threats is that the limbic brain, which is in charge of all decision-making, that's where all decision-making starts. It's not logical. It's motivated by what can help me eliminate a pain, threat, or fear I'm currently faced with. So yes, you have to make them feel somewhat disrupted because it's only when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, does anyone ever make a move? And when you think about it, if you put a threat side by side next to a game, the threat always receives priority. So I would say your Sandler training was right on. That's why some of the fundamentals of selling have not changed. What old traditional sales training programs have not done is that they have not um, helped organizations work in rooms of people. It works very well. Sandler and others, for that matter, worked very well one-to-one. But now you're brought into a room of six or seven people that are all part of a decision. And as you know how groups make decisions, Trace, the easiest thing for them to do is nothing, right? And it only takes one person to say, that's all great, but do we need to do this now? And all of a sudden, they let the CEO off the hook going, no, I guess we don't. So we have to be able to move an entire room to a decision. So fundamentals are still there. Dynamics are different. Large groups of people, you're not brought in until the very end. And when you are brought in, you're just like everyone else in their minds. So we've got six people that are now making this decision. We have six brains that we have to figure out what the pain is. Is that six different pains or can we assume that there's just one pain since there's one company? Or do we now realize that we're, we're more technical than they are and they don't even realize the pain and we now have to tell them what the pain is? Where do we go? Yeah, very good question. I think what we have to do is we have to actually elevate the pain to where everyone cares about that. Um, because one thing when you're selling to a room full of people is you cannot go from pain to pain to pain to pain to pain because you'll just create disengagement. What you have to do is you have to really almost summarize 
the entire impact and elevate that to a higher level. There's a good book out there called The Challenger Customer, which is one of my favorite books I've read recently. And it talks about elevating a message to have real impact. And they talk, uh, they mentioned this, uh, Xerox created this new color copier that did crazy cool things. It was more eco-friendly, it was more efficient, all these things. And they had a K-12 division. They were calling on, you know, kindergarten through 12. And the folks they were calling on were IT directors. And they would run through all the features and benefits. And the IT directors would all say, that's great. But I don't have the budget, right? This this new this new color copier, I see all the benefit, but I don't have the budget to move forward. But what happened is Xerox found these insights of what color copies do for student engagement and student achievement. So what they're able to do is they're able to take those insights and elevate their value in a way to start speaking to student engagement and student achievement. And what they're then able to do is bring higher level decision makers in the room, but everyone in the school district cares about student engagement and student achievement. So that's a simple example. By the way, their sales went up 17% because of that one small step. So what we have to look at, what the real significant macro impact on an organization with what you are selling. And I personally believe, Trace, that most of us message way too low to the value that we want to create, that we actually do create. We just don't think of it that way. And you had some great examples of that when you were speaking to the group, and now none come to mind. But how do we transition to do a better job with that? Yeah, I think what we have to do is we have to think about um, I, a couple exercises. Who's in the room when you're presenting, and who do you really want in the room? This is a chronic challenge. Most can't get the right decision makers in the room because they message in the wrong way, and it's not worth a senior leader's time to necessarily be there. So we have to identify who's in the room, who do we want in the room, and then we need to understand what pains, threats, and fears they deal with on a day-in and day-out basis. And once you understand that, Trace, of what the real threats and challenges they deal with, then we want to start connecting the dots. How does what you provide help eliminate a particular pain, threat, or fear. And I would love to move it away from your direct solution, much like the color copier to student achievement. Those are the real kind of connections we need to start seeking for us to be able to have the right kind of messaging and and framework for conversation. Because once you develop the message, which comes down to now, why you and why now? Because we've got to start messaging in a way that speaks clearly to someone's pain, that which what does separate you from competitors. That's the why you part. The why now is critically important as well because everyone brings their own priorities to the table. So you have seven people sitting around a table and they really liked what you had to say, Trace. I thought it was really fascinating. It was really interesting. It was really cool. But we have these four other things we need to work on now, which is have you ever won, you know, uh, won the battle but lost the war? Hey, Trace, we like your solution better than the others. The bad news is we're not going to do anything for six months because we have these other priorities. So the why now is really, really important because we've got to move that room to actually make a decision to go with you and go with you now. So somebody listening, I know they're getting a lot out of this, but they're probably thinking, okay, you've said a lot that we've got to change our messaging. How does somebody begin to understand what their current messaging is? We know why it needs to change, but how do they now change it? Okay, so I would first start with identifying... Uh, those people that, that you want to sell to at, at all levels, right? And I'd like to go as high as level as you possibly could. I want to understand the pains and threats they deal with every single day on a day-in, day-out basis. And once you understand that, you then I want you to look at the what, you, what kind of impact you create on an organization. And I want you to break it down to three buckets of value. 
So what is what areas of impact do you have on an organization? And once you create these these buckets of value, then you can start framing it in a way that speaks more clearly to each person's individual pains. And once you start making that connection, your messaging becomes a bit crisper because you're starting to speak to things that really, really matter to them. So not only do we need to understand the pains and threats that each of my prospect is deals with every single day, we now need to frame it in a way where I create value as an organization. Brian, we've spoken a lot about we've got to get into the limbic brain, but what exactly does that mean and how does the brain work? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Trace. I, I think that, uh, well, first of all, what's, what's really interesting to me and fascinating is that we're really not selling to hearts and souls. We're selling to a three-pound organ called the brain. And when you think about it, you walk into a room, you're not trying to persuade people. You're just trying to persuade six or seven brains that this is the most amazing thing we've ever seen, and we have to do something about this now. And so when you think about it, there are two real key components of the brain. One is called the neocortex. That's the logical, critical thinking part of the brain. And below that lies the limbic structure, which is comprised of the reptilian, the middle brain. Now, the brain's a very mighty, powerful organ. It, it, it's only 2% of your body mass, but requires 20% of your blood flow. So it takes a lot of energy to keep the brain awake and engaged. And the brain doesn't like to expend energy. In fact, the neocortex, that outer part, that's the critical thinking part of the brain. We don't like to use it because it requires a disproportionate share of blood flow and calories to keep it awake. So we, our brains are so lazy, it prefers to make very simple, fast decisions. That happens the limbic brain structure. And what the limbic brain is constantly scanning for are ways to stay out of trouble. It's insanely focused on eliminating pains, threats, and fears, and it falls for a great story every time. Which is back to one of your earlier questions about do you sell to fear and, and pain? You absolutely positively have to if you want to get to the true deciding part of the brain. All decisions emanate from the limbic part of the brain. 90% of all decisions happen at the limbic brain level. And again, this is the part of the brain that doesn't know how to read, doesn't have a, doesn't really learn. It makes the same mistakes a lot of times over and over and over again. We develop habits to work around those, but it's a very primitive decision maker. In fact, it only cares about eliminating pains, threats, and fears. And what happens is if you're not able to reach or connect that limbic brain level, which is where all priority starts, you stay in the outer part of the brain, then it becomes about price or some kind of a, a detail that doesn't really matter. And where most organizations miss, Trace, is they don't know how to connect their value to the limbic brain. It's a simple thing to do, but it's very hard to do because we want to share all the knowledge and wisdom we have because we think the more I impress you with knowledge and data, the more prone you are to buy. But studies show it actually has an opposite effect. The more information I shower you with, the more it confuses your limbic brain and the more it has it shut down and not do anything at all. Well, I promise you more than 90% of the people listening to this program sell by trying to shower their prospect with information. And it's my responsibility. <laughs> it's, it's my joy, pleasure. No, none of those. It's my responsibility to share that that doesn't work. And, and it's, it gets really difficult when you add more decision makers to the room. And that's why it's so hard to be an incumbent because we can, and how many times have we all sent out a, a proposal that had the world's best return on investment? It had more logic and it had more rationalization we've ever known, but we don't get the deal. We don't get the deal because we don't know how to connect to the limbic brain and, and drive priority. And all the limbic brain cares about is, 
if there's a, a problem and you make me aware of it, now I want it to go away because the brain's lazy. It won't go to pain on its own. You have to take it there, which is back to your old thing about the Sandler training. The brain's too lazy to go where you want it to go. You have to lead it there. What are some of the suggestions that you have for our listeners so they can do that successfully? Yeah, and I think the place to always start, I always like to start at, I think, the hardest spot, and that's you're walking into a room, and there are seven people sitting around a table, and they want to know why they should choose you and why they should choose you now. And on top of that, they have two or three other similarly sounding competitors coming in right after you. Now, that should create a bit of nervousness in all of us, but that's the place to start. Because if we can't win there, it's going to be very difficult to win everywhere else. So the thing you've got to do when you start your presentation is you have to not talk about yourself. Because the, the, the buying part of the brain, the limbic brain, is very, very self-centered. It doesn't care about you, where you come from, and all those details. It only wants to know what's in this for me. And knowing that we have very short attention spans because it takes so much energy for the brain to stay awake, we actually space out when there's nothing in it for us. So the first thing we have to do is we have to stop talking about ourselves the moment we walk in that room and we have to start talking and addressing their fears, their threats, and their challenges. And the way I like to do that is I like to start with three rhetorical questions that all are designed to really pinpoint pains, threats, and fears they have. Have you ever wondered why? Or what if this happened versus that happening? And when you switch it from talking about yourself to those first three questions, and then you share a belief statement that connects with them at a deep level, then you start building trust. Because when you walk in that room of strangers that are evaluating you, the last thing you want to do is talk about yourself. And what you really want to do is focus on them, their pains, their threats, because you've got to lower the barrier that exists between you and them in the room. That's great advice. I know we are trained to let people know that we're experts, but now we have to shift that. And having something to pivot on, like those questions, definitely helps with that. Anything else you can think of that might help some of our listeners? Yeah, the hardest thing to do, I think, but the most critical thing to do is to, is to relentlessly focus on why should someone choose you and why they should choose you now. If you did nothing else but spent time in that pursuit, it, it puts your messaging to be all around them and not about you. Um, and, and, and I would really strive for presentations. A lot of people are uncomfortable doing it. And they say, well, I, I'd like to meet one-to-one. But if there are more than one decision maker on your solution, which there always usually are, we have to find a way to bring them in the room together. So push for presentations more than you're comfortable with. Because the price you'll pay for not doing that is you'll put information together for someone and then they'll never circulate it properly. They'll never tell your story properly. Then all your opportunities just kind of fizzle out because we have these challenges. We, we call them the three deadly C's. And that's really what's impacting us all as business people. As I mentioned earlier, one of your biggest threats is becoming a commodity. That's the first deadly C. You've got commoditization, you've got consensus decision-making, and you have compressed selling time. So not only does everybody look, sound, and act the same, Decision-making teams keep getting bigger and bigger, and they're ignoring you or your salespeople to the very end of their buying journey. It's creating what we call these failure points. And one of them is you've got to win that moment of truth, and you've got to answer, why should I choose you, and why should I choose you now? And once you're able to accomplish that, it makes it much easier 
to actually get meetings before the RFP comes out in the first place because you have impact, you have insights now. Think of the Xerox example. And that final point of failure is you've got to win over the room. You have to. And there, think about the six or seven people that show up in that meeting. They all have their own priorities walking into that room. And you might have the most interesting, fascinating solution the world's ever seen. But if you can't establish priority other over other things they're considering that may have nothing to do with you directly, but if you can't achieve priority, you're still going to have a great idea that doesn't go anywhere. And that's why most deals stall out is we don't know how to sell to priority. We might be able to separate ourselves from our competitors, but we don't know how to drive priority. And that's why the why you and more importantly, why now is crucial. I can't tell you how many salespeople I've worked with that have so many things in the pipeline that never come out. And I can just think that changing our message a little bit so now we've got priority on what they should be focusing on is definitely the missing ingredient there. But for somebody listening, what is a good phrase to say or how do you even go about helping the customer prioritize making those decisions? Yeah, and, and where that, that starts, it, it starts at, first of all, we talk, ask those three rhetorical questions. And then when it comes to your elevator pitch or your belief statement, we believe in a world where X, Y, and Z are happening, right? We've got to start have, start ruffling things up a bit to have them start sensing that threat. And then we talk about the pains that come from that. And then the further threat, then we can provide a solution. So we have to really introduce that that real threat that's facing them that they may not be consciously thinking about. So that's all part of the first three or four minutes of the presentation. And as I mentioned, um, I do have an, e- an ebook that supports a lot of this. I'd love to share with everyone. Just go on our website and just, I think I just put in your email address and it'll come over your way. Um, that's really critical. It, it's really critical because it, the brain is constantly scanning to say, should I even pay attention or should I just not? And we have to, when it comes to establishing priority, we have to help them see the present dangers that they may, may not be aware of. And if we can do that, then we can engage the brain. And if we can keep the brain engaged and drive a real good conversation, then they'll start telling you everything you need to know to navigate that, that opportunity all the way to close. Because too many presentations, Trace, we, we show up, we say all the stuff we think we is, think is great, and they say, boy, you gave us a lot to think about. I appreciate you taking the time. We'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. Those aren't, those aren't buying signals. We have to really establish that priority in the first three minutes of our presentation if we're going to command the room and move it to a decision. Because keep in mind, the easiest thing for a group to do is nothing. Well, Brian, I'll make sure to put the ebook you mentioned on our show notes page so people can just go to that and click directly to your site. I got to tell you, there's so much information coming from you today. There's a lot of stuff to think about. If somebody wants to get deeper into this, what advice do you have for them? The advice I have for them to get deeper into it is, is to commit to A, stop talking about yourself, B, delve into why should someone choose you and why they should choose you now. Um, I think this is something that can be done on their own, but I'd be happy to, to talk through and get a you know, brief 15 minute conversation to see, you know, if we could help somebody, how it would work. But I, I what I find is super ironic, uh, Trace, is that as this world's accelerating and commoditization's proliferating, and it's becoming really difficult. The ironically cool thing is all we have to do is to appeal to the dumbest part of the brain if we want to maintain our margins, 
right? Because that part of the brain is still, if, as long as it's still in charge of decision-making, all it wants to do is eliminate pains, threats, and fears. So we've got to take all the things that you say and do, and we need to start framing it in a way that really solves people's pains and helps them eliminate their threats. Brian, I know you've worked with a lot of customers teaching them this process and how to increase their margins by speaking to the dumb part of the brain. And I know you have a lot of success stories and you probably have some stories that haven't worked as well. Can you share a few of those so we can maybe use those to do better work as we move forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think the success stories uh, happen this way. Once you're able to help an organization, we help them really take uh, this jumbled message that we think is unique to us, but when you really look at your competition, it all sounds, looks, and acts the same. Once we're able to help them develop out the why you and why now, then you can put together the right kind of pitch deck. And the success we see there is you start creating immediate wins because you have a pipeline of work now that at some point is going to come to a decision time. And if we can fix that decision right then and right there, it's really, really important. So as an organization, getting the messaging right, getting the pitch deck right to drive the right kind of conversation. And when done right, your win rate will increase by 25 to 50%. You'll create much better conversations. And more importantly, you'll, you'll get your margins back. Because when everybody thinks you're the same as everyone else, it all becomes about price. And many of our clients, the first things they realize is they're winning more opportunities out of the gate. And then more importantly, their margins are starting to improve. So we start by focusing there and then you can drive better messaging and meetings. Now, where it doesn't work is we're really changing behaviors. And while we're simplifying it, it is different because it's a crutch and it's much easier to talk about yourself than to talk about your prospect. So where we see people getting in trouble or it doesn't work as well is when people start defaulting back to their old habits. And that's probably the hardest thing to do is you're, 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 we're, cha- we're changing uh, years of how we've done things, about talking about ourselves, about sharing too much information. And those are hard habits to break. So where we feel companies where it doesn't work out as well is when they start getting off script and going back to the old ways of oversharing information and not really thinking that I'm selling to the limbic or the dumbest part of the brain. I've got to keep my message very, very simple. You mentioned pitch decks. And I got to tell you, you have one of the best PowerPoints that I have ever seen. Oh, thanks, Grace. It, I mean, it, was, it was great. I mean, a, a lot of times PowerPoints are, are boring or they take away from the speaker. Yours did a great job of engaging the audience into your message. I'm curious, how did you create that? Well, I have a very talented group of designers that work for me and with me. Um, and that's part of the deliverables because you're right. Most, you knowing that the, the limbic brain doesn't like to read. So why do, we, why do we create too much text on slides when we know it just doesn't work? So I, I appreciate your compliments, and that's one of the key deliverables we actually provide to people is a, is a visual pitch deck that drives conversation because that's the most important thing is we've got to keep the brain awake, and we've got to keep the brain to where it wants to engage, and we've got to use visuals as a way to connect the limbic brain because it doesn't even know how to read. Well, I guess my dumb brain really liked it. It was <laughs> an exceptional PowerPoint. Well, thank you, Trace. Thank you. Uh, and, and I would say we like to do that work for many of our clients around North America. But it, whether it's us or someone else, the key is you've got to, no more than five or six words on a slide. And anything else creates a bunch of mental clutter. And once you've lost the brain, it's very hard to get it back in that presentation. So captivating the room quickly and holding attention using visuals 
and developing a very, very good pitch is crucially important when the easiest thing for a room full of people to do is nothing. What's the one thing you want to leave the Scaling Up Nation with? I want to leave them with uh, the understanding that the world of commoditization is going to get worse faster on all of them because we now live in an accelerating age where change is happening faster than most of us can keep up with. And if you think it's difficult to win today and to uphold your margins, it's going to get harder tomorrow and harder the month after that. There is hope. If you really understand who you're selling to, the limbic part of the brain, the dumbest part of the brain, and if you go through the steps of saying, I need to simplify my value and I've got to be able to answer crisply and clearly, why should someone choose me and why should they choose me now? It will put you on the path back to success. Brian, I know you've got a meeting to get to, but you have a few more minutes to share with us so I can ask you some lightning round questions. Absolutely. All right. So your first day where you started working with companies and helping them with their sales process, if you could go back now, get in the time machine, go in the parking lot and see yourself walk into the the job, the house, wherever you were, and you could stop yourself and give yourself some advice on what you have today, what would you say? What would I do differently about what I was doing in the past? Sure. I would, I would make sure that, that talking about me, that I matter nothing in this equation. I've got to stop talking about myself and I've got to make it all about them from the very beginning. And I've got to remember, I've got to remember, it's only when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change will anyone ever make a move. What are the last few books that you've read? Um, I, you know, read and or listening, right? I do travel a lot. So The Challenger Customer, I think, is a very good book that describes customer journeys today in a world where decision-making teams are getting bigger and they're ignoring your salespeople. Um, I'm listening to the, uh, oh, Bill Bryson. I'm a huge Bill Bryson fan. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's an historian that's a very funny person that writes about fascinating things. And I'm reading about a book called At Home, which is all about the origins of everything inside your house, from the fuse box to the room and board to the hallway. It's a fascinating book. And I'm also listening to the Beastie Boys book. <laughs> there you go. That's very eclectic. I used to be a business book junkie and I said, life is too short. Move on. I got to, I got to broaden myself. That's awesome. Well, Hollywood's going to hear this podcast. They're going to reach out to you and they say, we've got to make a movie about your life. When they do, who plays you? Oh my gosh. You know, I've always wanted to see myself as a Kevin Costner kind of guy, you know, like Bull Durham. We're a baseball family. Uh, just the wisdom he put out there. It's kind of a, a wandering, roaming soul. Uh, that, that Hopefully that, that's the world sees me as a, as a kind of a cool Kevin Costner. There you go. Last question. You now have the ability to speak with anybody throughout time. Who would it be with and why? Oh, man. I tell you, it's, uh, that might make me a bit weepy there. I, 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 I'd like to talk to someone um, like I, I, Thomas Edison. I know he wasn't the, the nicest person in the world, but just the, the guy who looked failure in the eye every single time. And when he said, I, I found 999 ways not to make a light bulb, there's something about the drive there that's inspiring to me. And on the weepy side, I really like to talk to my dad as a child. I, I, I just, I'm fascinated by uh, just the, what your parents went through when they were kids and what helped make who they were as people, which impacted their, the parental-child relationship. So I'd, I'd love to talk to my dad. 
Well, Brian, I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up H2O. A lot of things to think about for the Scaling Up Nation. We've been doing sales the exact same way since time, and we've always wondered why we're getting the same results. You've given us a lot of things to think about. Thanks so much. Trace, my pleasure. Thank you all. Let's scale it up. Let's go make some money and have some fun. Think about selling to the limbic brain. Don't talk about yourself. Have a great day. Wow, Brian, that was some great stuff. I can't wait for you to try some of the items that Brian suggested. I can tell you that I have tried them for myself and they really work. Now, Brian has written an ebook that he is sharing with all of the Scaling Up Nation. All you have to do is go to our webpage and you can download that ebook by simply putting in your email address. Folks, this is a very powerful tool, and I can tell you firsthand, it really does work. So go to the show notes page and get your copy. Nation, I started the top of the show with talking about how difficult sales is. I gave you a bunch of different reasons. People are doing it different ways. Well, there's no doubt about it that sales is one of the most difficult things that we do in our day-to-day. But what that truly means is, is that we have to get out there and do it. We might do it a little bit differently, but we have to repeatedly do the same things to get results. And what that means is we have to keep up a pipeline. A pipeline is a metaphor that we use for all of the different potential clients in our sales funnel and all the different categories that they exist in. For example, they might be a prospective client. We haven't talked to them yet. Then after we talk to them and set an appointment, it might graduate them to another title within our pipeline and then so on. We just follow them further and further down the pipeline until they become a customer. I've worked with so many water treaters that just have not been educated on how to properly keep a pipeline. So everything that Brian said is great information, but if we're not keeping track of the people we're having these conversations with, we are not being effective with our time. So in just a few weeks, I'm going to have CRM expert Riza Gooding on the show, and she's going to talk about how we can use technology to keep our pipelines flowing properly. Now, if you don't know what a CRM is, that's a customer resource management tool. And folks, they can be as simplistic or as complex as you want them to be. So I know that you are going to enjoy that show because it's going to help us track all the things that Brian shared with us today. Nation, remember, keep doing what you're doing and you're going to get the same results. But if you try something new and you consistently keep doing that, you will get different results. Tracking the results that you get will make you better. My hope is nobody out there is in a sales rut, but I am willing to bet that you are not doing all the things that you need to be doing to bring in the sales that you need. Now, it's a consistent, I have to do this in order to get that. We have to do that consistently every day. And when we fall behind, that's when our sales suffers. I know that sounds so easy, but we all know that that's true. 
I hope shows like this help inspire you to keep doing the things that you know you need to do and then try something a little bit different to get you even better results. Now, one thing that you're doing that I think is fantastic is you are listening to Scaling Up H2O and I hope the tips that we bring you are using. I would love to hear about that and I especially would love it if you join me next week on Scaling Up H2O. Nation, I am so pleased to let you know that the Rising Tide Mastermind is a success. We have completely filled two groups since we started the Rising Tide Mastermind in early January. Now, you might be wondering what a mastermind is. And simply put, a mastermind is where people get together to try to make each other more successful. We encourage each other to get better and to keep the commitments needed to help each other get there. So if this sounds like something that you need, I urge you to find out more about the Rising Tide Mastermind. You can do that by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if this group is right for you.